Thank you, Pastor Katie. As Thomas mentioned, we are in a sermon series on Moses, and it is quite a long story. Uh, today, we're picking up at um, uh, a rather strange place in the story. Uh, we're in Exodus chapter 7, and this is the beginning of God uh, unleashing the plagues on Egypt. So we're at chapter 7, uh, verses 14 through 24. This is the first plague. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he is going out to the water. Stand by at the river bank to meet him. And take in your hand the staff that was turned into a snake. Say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, sent me to you to say, Let my people go so that they may worship me in the wilderness. But until now you have not listened. Thus says the Lord, By this you shall know that I am the Lord. See, with the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water that is in the Nile, and it shall be turned to blood. The fish in the river shall die, the river itself shall stink, and the Egyptians shall be unable to drink water from the Nile. The Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over its rivers, its canals, and its ponds, and all its pools of water, so that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout the whole land of Egypt, even in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded. In the sight of Pharaoh and of his officials, he lifted up the staff and struck the water in the river, and all the water in the river was turned into blood, and the fish in the river died. The river stank so that the Egyptians could not drink its water, and there was blood throughout the whole land of Egypt. But the magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret arts, so Pharaoh's heart remained hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Pharaoh turned and went into his house, and he did not take even this to heart. And all the Egyptians had to dig along the Nile for water to drink, for they could not drink the water of the river. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy God, we pray that as we hear about a plague, we may come to know your salvation. By the power of your Holy Spirit, enliven our senses so that we may come into an awareness of that salvation. May your preacher just be a vessel, an instrument of your grace. It's in the name of the one who saves that we pray. Amen. After calling Moses to lead the Israelites through a burning bush, 
God uses Moses and his brother as agents in the unleashing of ten plagues against Pharaoh and the Egyptians in the name of saving God's people from captivity. We probably do not think of plagues as a typical or ordinary means of salvation, but this is not an ordinary God that we are dealing with. For the captive Israelites, salvation comes to them through water turning into blood. Salvation comes to them through a swarm of frogs, a swarm of gnats, a swarm of flies. I mean, this stuff sounds like something from an Alfred Hitchcock film. Their salvation comes to them through the death of livestock, through boils infecting the skin of their overlords, through another swarm, this time locusts. Their salvation is brought about by this peculiar God who brings forth light out of darkness and chaos and creation and then reinstates darkness for three days with the ninth plague, all on the heels of the first eight plagues that unleash chaos. And then there is one more plague, which is perhaps the most problematic, and we'll talk about that one next week. But God uses plagues to save. Obviously, those on the other side of the plagues, they don't feel all that saved. And nor should they. In this part of the narrative of God in the world, the focus is on the chosen Israel. The chosen Israel through whom God will bring all of humanity, including the plagued, back into right relationship with God. And the point is, throughout it it all, then and now and beyond, if any saving is to happen, it is God who saves. And one such way is in the first plague that we just read about a moment ago, the plague of turning the water of the Nile into blood. Most of us here are probably good elementary and middle school students or are good elementary and middle school students, and we know how important the Nile is. We know that the Nile is probably the longest river in the world. There are some who say that it's the Amazon, but uh, either way, we know that the Nile is a big one. Uh, Not only is it a big one, it has throughout history been an integral part of commerce and life in, in, in general throughout Northeast Africa and beyond. It is because of the Nile that Egypt has the ability to be Egypt, a nation that can oppress the Hebrew people. Heck, it's out of the Nile that, that Moses is saved as a baby. The Nile is of great importance. It would have been where Pharaoh bathed. Each day, Pharaoh and his officials would check on the health of the Nile. They would examine its levels to make sure that everything was well and good with it. The Nile is priority number one for Pharaoh and his staff. And it is the Nile, this great river created by God, that God unleashes chaos on. God tells Moses, Pharaoh has a hardened heart. 
He's not going to let my people go. In the morning, he's going to go down and he's going to check on the Nile like he always does. Meet him there and tell him, my God has sent me to say to you, let my people go. But he's not going to listen. So God says, tell him that you and Aaron are going to take a staff and, and, and you're going to strike the, 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 the Nile with it and, and the water's going to turn into blood. And the consequences are going to be catastrophic. So Moses and Aaron, they, they, they go to Pharaoh and, and they do just as God had instructed them to do. They tell him, let my people go. Oh, you're not listening. Okay, watch what happens next. And so the staff strikes the water, and the whole river turns into blood. And all the fish die, and it stunk. Boy, did it stink. To make matters worse, now the Egyptians have nothing to drink because all the water is foul-smelling. The only water that they can come up with is something that we would liken to drinking water from a ditch. God did that. Turning water into blood to save people. It's strange, but it's God. You know, this, this would not be the last time that, that God messed with water to save the day. Later on in Exodus, God parts the Red Sea so that the Israelites can fully escape toward their salvation. And then much later on, many, many, many years later, at a wedding party in Cana of Galilee, God in Christ changes water once again from one thing into another, much like was the case that day at the Nile. Jesus who was once a refugee in the very same Egypt, went to this wedding party with his mother and some of his other people in that place called Cana. And while they were there, the, the wedding wine gave out. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, knowing who her son was, said, Son, they're out of wine. Do something. And Jesus said, Mom... It's not my time to do something. And ignoring what, his, uh, what, what her son said in, in good and stern and motherly fashion, Mary said to the servers, do whatever he tells you to do. Jesus says, all right. Take these jars. Fill them with water. They did just that. They filled them to the brim. Jesus said, okay. Now take it to the fellow who's in charge of the wine. They took those jars of water to the fellow in charge of the wine, and, and, and he, he took a sip. And he was amazed. He said, how can this be? Normally people serve the good wine first. And then once everybody's good and drunk, then they bring out the lackluster wine. But here at this wedding, you have saved the best wine for last. 
God did that. Jesus takes ordinary water and turns it into the best wine. Water into blood before. This time, water into wine. Later, this same Jesus gathers with some of his people again. And they are celebrating the remembrance of God leading God's people out of Egypt back in Moses' day. During this full circle moment of remembrance, Jesus takes a cup of wine and he blesses it. And he tells them, this is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins Not just for you, chosen people, but for all. As often as you drink of this, do so in remembrance of me. Jesus says, this is my blood. Water into blood Water into wine, blood into wine. And while hanging on the cross, covered in his own blood, he is offered sour wine, not good wine, but sour wine in a sponge by those who persecute him. And when he is murdered for the sins of the world, his side is pierced and out flows water from his body. Wine and blood and water. Rivers of blood turned into streams of living water. There is only one who saves. It's strange. But it's God. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for doing what only you can do. Thank you for the ways that you've gone about doing it. Although they are hard for us to understand, we know that you have done so out of a great love. We pray, God, that we not only have an awareness of it, but gratitude for it. We pray, God, that you continue to transform us over and over again, as only you can, in ways that seem ordinary extraordinary, and all sorts of things in between. It's in the name of the crucified one that we pray, and all God's people say,